And then we are this morning, week six, in being church. Uh, not being at church. There's a big difference between being at church. It's just amazing what one little two-letter word can do, right? Being at church is one thing. Being the church is all the time. And uh, we've been looking at that. We've had a, we have a little acrostic we've been using. We're having a little fun with it. This morning, we're going to do uh, relationally based. The church is meant to be relationally based. Um, we, we have really uh, a very different commodity than any other business, right? All businesses are in business in order to make money. Uh, that's not why we're here. There, I said it, right? We've got kind of two commodities, really. Uh, God and people, all right? Uh, it was given to us. They asked him, hey, what, what's the most important thing? Love the Lord, love your neighbor. Uh, and somehow in the midst of trying to make plans to do that, rules, parameters, systems, programs, all this kind of stuff, set up a business model, a nonprofit organization, all that kind of stuff, people get lost. People get lost in the middle, uh, in the process. And, and we can't do that. We can't let that happen. Uh, because we're to be the church, and um, and the church is made up of people, and so we got to be relationally based. Want to show that to you this morning. Want to show it to you from uh, two two places. One is a famous famous story uh, you've heard a bunch of times. Probably, if not, then it'd be awesome to be able to tell you the story of the prodigal son for the first time. Uh, but I want to look at it from a little bit different perspective this morning, and so we're going to fly through it a little bit, and then uh, and then there's Thess- uh, First Thessalonians first that I want you to want us to look at too, uh, once we get to the fill-ins. But um, uh, before we do all that, welcome to Rock Bible Church. We're Christ-centered. We're biblically based, and we do that by compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship and be in a community that serves a greater community. Amen. I know I just said it differently, and you're all freaking out. It's like whoa. Right? It's okay. I'm, I'm going to change things up from time to time to keep you on your toes. Like add a front row and now nobody's in the first two rows. What's up? <laughs> there are people here. There are. There are people here. They just don't want to be in camera. They don't want you looking at the back of their heads. Okay? So uh, let's pray and then, uh, and then we'll get into it. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the reminder of who we are to be. Not just as a church, Lord, but as individuals. And we thank you, Lord, for the value of relationship and how you exemplified it first and foremost in your approach to us. And then, Lord, you project onto us to do the same thing with the people around us. So I pray, Lord, you'd help us to look at it in new ways this morning through your word. Pray, Lord, to be guided by you to, to your end. And we pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Uh, Luke chapter 15 is the story of the prodigal son. It's the only place you'll find it in scripture. Uh, Verses 11 through 32. It's a great, great story, multifaceted, and we will not cover it today. We just won't. Right, we're gonna we're gonna hit some pieces of it. I mean, this is a could be a six part, eight part series. Just this story because there's so many different angles. In fact, we did a youth retreat one time where all the messages for the whole weekend were on this story, this passage. Uh, it's one of my favorites. Absolutely love it. Ready? Luke chapter fifteen, verse eleven. And he said, uh, "Who's he? Jesus. Okay, Jesus is uh, telling a story with a spiritual point. All right." 
not just a story, but he's trying to get at something, and I want us to see what he's getting at. He's told two stories prior to this, uh, parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. They're both in the beginning uh, section of chapter 15, but we're only 10 verses in, so they're very short parables, right? But he, should, he's, he tells three stories in a row. This is the third. This is the culminating, and we got to figure out why is he telling these stories, parable of the lost sheep is he's got 100 sheep, ones get lost. Wouldn't you go find the one that's lost rather than worry about the 99 you have? Everybody goes, yeah, of course, you go look for it. Lady loses an expensive coin in her house. She searches the whole house, can't find it, gets friends, says, come help me find this valuable, valuable coin. Wouldn't you do that? Absolutely. Then he tells this story. And I want us to get out why he tells it. All right? Jesus says, there was a man who had two sons. Let's pray for him. Uh, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Where's, where's the negotiation? The argument, the pushback, the terms and conditions? Nothing. The, the, the role of father in this story is meant to be played by God. Love that son comes to God with an um, inappropriate request, and God actually just goes with it. What's the value? If he just goes with it, what's the value, the greater value to the father? Right? What's that in the back of your head? Uh, father, hey, give me my property. Uh, he gave him the property, and 13, verse 13, not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. There he squandered his property, in reckless living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. Isn't it amazing to you how life can turn in just two verses? You ever feel like that? I love that in this story we get zero details about how did he squander it? What did he do? Where'd the famine come? No, that's not the point. It just turns. Now he's in trouble. Verse 15, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. The pigs are eating better than I am. At my dad's house, the servants eat well. This is pretty easy math. Where's he going? We're going home. Love what it says in the beginning of verse 17 where he says, but when he came to himself. Is that your prayer for other people? You ever meet somebody who's like, gosh, I wish they would just come to themselves, right? Which is get it back together. I wish, I wish they would have an aha moment, right? The light bulb would go off. Um, people are in that condition often where they need to come to themselves. How do we approach him? How do we think about him? How do we feel about him? I will arise, verse 18. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Is that a true statement? People got to be quicker on the no there. Okay. Or we're going to have assigned seating. <laughs> I know how it works. I've been to school way too many times, right? When I got to choose my seat, I didn't do as well, okay? That's not a true statement. 
just because somebody comes to themselves doesn't mean that everything's rational. There still might be irrational spinning in there, spinning in here. And we've got to be aware of what's going on. Just because somebody says something doesn't mean it's true. Treat me as one of your hired servants. He's thinking that's a good pitch. Dad might go for that. He arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, ran and embraced him, and kissed him. Where's the, I told you so. Where's the question, where's my change? I sent my kid out last night with an exorbitant amount of money so that in the case of emergency, he would be okay and he could cover whatever he needed to cover. For the minuscule thing that he was going to, he did not need the money that I gave him. Lesson learned by dad last night. Zero change. Where's my change? What do you do? Do you know what squander means? Right? Uh, none of that. What's the value of dad? Not his value. What does he value? If the commentary Jesus gives us about him in reference to the father being gone is that he saw him, ran to him, embraced him, kissed him, and love this one, felt compassion. You can't feel compassion when you're keeping score. This does not seem like a dad to me who keeps score. Or he's keeping score on something else. Might be a fun way to look at it. Son said to him, verse 21, remember that prepared speech he was going to give him? Here it comes. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to wait, wasn't there more to that speech? Right? Treat me as one of your hired servants. What happened to the speech? Dads? No, I heard a dad just said it over here. He got cut off. I will not let you talk about yourself that way. I will not let you continue that speech. You're no longer willing to, or I'm no, you're no longer worthy to be called my son. Oh yeah, we're going to not let you talk anymore because now you're spewing nonsense. You will always be my son, right? Men, know how we feel about our sons, right? Amen. Uh, he cuts him off. The father says to the servants, uh, bring quickly. He doesn't even address the kid, right? He cuts him off and says, hold on a second. Servants, come here. Bring the best robe, put it on him. Bring a ring and put it on his hand, shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, right? That's the politically correct way for saying what? Let's, let's party. Guys, the best party, the biggest party will be in heaven. And I love this. Will you be there? That, I mean, the, the best marketing, the easiest evangelism you can ever do. You meet somebody, and if you can get on to the top, oh, the biggest party, it's going to be in heaven. Are you going to be there? Amen. Amen. He says, let's party. What's there to party about? He squandered everything. He's probably done some things that were very inappropriate. He's come back and violated his relationship with his father. He tried to leave dad, right? I mean, you get that. Give me my stuff that was yours and I'm leaving. 
What's there to party over? Relationship. What's a party over the relationship? I, I have relationship back. He, he gets nothing back other than his son. That's the value. Is it the value for us? Is it the value for church? Is it important to us that some people make it in here regardless of their condition? Make it in here and bring nothing. Absolutely. All right, one of you is going to let them in. All right, good. Your, your door monitor, Kevin. Uh, they began to celebrate. All right? Verse 24. For this my son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Verse 25. And now his older son was in the field. This is the part of the story I want us to focus on today. Okay? And I'll, I'll explain why when we finish it because I'm going to reference something else in a minute older son was in the field he's not taking this all in and as he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing he called to one of the servants and asked what these things meant he was not the quite the brightest of sons we're going to learn that in another way in a minute but if you hear music and dancing how do you hear dancing by the way he had to probably see it Right? You hear the music, you see the dancing. What do you know is going on? No, you know you're missing out. Whatever it is, call it whatever you want. I just know I'm missing out. Right? It's a celebration. Uh, he said to him, he's called the servants. He said to him, the servant, to the older brother, your brother's come. End of sentence. Should be. End of discussion. No commas. No qualifiers. No more information needed. I'd like to think that if that was my brother and I heard a party and saw dancing and I said, hey, what's going on at the house as I'm pulling up to my own house? Your brother has come would be all they could get out of their mouth before I'd be in the house. I'd like to think that that's me. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Verse 28, but he was angry and refused to go in. Total disconnect. I can't ask you what's wrong with this, I can't ask you how many things are wrong with this. Because there's more than just one thing going on here. That's a problem. But this morning, I want us to focus on the relationship is the problem. The value of relationship. What are you basing your anger on, son? Why will you refuse to go in? Fascinating questions that we would love to ask him. His father came out. And entreated him. He wouldn't come in. Dad finds out. He goes out to get him. Love that thought. Uh, by the way, is that, is that a picture of the God that we know of, of the Bible? That he comes to get us? Uh, in almost every story. Almost every story. He comes to get us. So absolutely love that. Uh, 
But he answered his father. Blah, 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 blah. That's the English translation. Uh, if you read it in, um, in Greek, it would say this. Uh, Look, these many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command. What's he value? Obedience. Commands. You never gave me a young goat. What's he value? Somebody said, stuff, right? That I might celebrate with my friends. What's the value there? That one's a little risk. A little harder. Self and other relationships. Yeah, we have a relationship, but I'm going to go spend time with them. Right? Um, we have a very technical English word for it. It's called click. Right? We do clicks. Oh, they look like me. I'm going to hang out with them. They talk like me. They're in the same groups as me. Whatever. Uh, but I'm not going to hang out with different. What's the different there between dad and son? Age, status, responsibility. How about get it factor? I'm going to go hang out with my friends because they won't give me a hard time about the things I don't get yet. You're always trying to teach me. Wondering how some of those conversations might have gone between that father and that son. I know they're hypothetical people because they don't really exist. But the level of learning that needed to go on that didn't go on because one of them devalued the relationship. He says, I, 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 it's been many years. I've done all the commands. Never a goat, never a party. But when this son of yours came, Love that. This son of yours. He didn't say my brother. When my brother comes, he says this son of yours. What's he distancing himself from another relationship? Uh, which apparently he's really not that bright because when he asked the servant what's happening, what does the servant say? Your brother. Not your father's son has returned. Right? The servant gets the relationship better than the son does actually. When this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. Yes, absolutely. You finally got it. <laughs> Only the tone in which he said it was probably different. Right? Hey, folks, when somebody shows up and they've devoured the property and done inappropriate things and they finally made it home, should we cater to him? father does now always no it's not always appropriate you might not always be the right person to do it but in general relationship matters and we definitely need to reach out to those in need and we care for them. the oldest son doesn't get it verse 31 he said to him the father to the son so you're always with me and all that is mine is yours he references time, right? Son says, all these years, you've never, right? He says, all, uh, you will always be with me. Addresses his time issue. And then number two, and all that is mine is yours. Hey, you've never gave me a fat calf, so I'm gonna throw a party with my friends. Hey, you're worried about stuff? Great. All that I have is yours. The half that wasn't yours got squandered. Everything left is yours. The stuff is not in question. The time is not in question. But it was 
Absolutely love that word. Verse 32, it was fitting to celebrate. It was proper. It was correct. It was right. It was justified. It was necessary. How many words can you think of? Can somebody give me another one? Good, right, justified, correct, huh? Appropriate, thank you. It was appropriate to celebrate and be what? Glad. You came with angry and refusal. We're supposed to be glad. Not because I'll always be with you and that all my stuff is going to be yours from now on. No, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. You've been worried about what you get and you've missed what you've gotten, what you've received. The highest of value. You received your brother back. As the church, we're to be relationally based, first and foremost. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Amen. Story of the prodigal son. Would love to uh, get into it at some point and, and cover some of the other things. I mean, about, we didn't talk about the prodigal son himself so much. We talked a little bit about the father. But the oldest son... The oldest son is what we really want to focus on this morning. And probably, if we're, if we're going to be honest and do a good hermeneutic on this, the, the oldest son is the purpose of the story in the first place. And we're going to get to that. But Jesus teaches this story in order to point out uh, what First Thessalonians tells us is really a priority for a Christian. And uh, Paul writes to the, the Thessalonians, and they're trying to get together, and they can't, and sometimes they are, but they're sending people back and forth to provide for one another. And it's difficult. And Paul writes this towards the end. He says, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. And for all as we do for you. Absolutely love that verse. Here's what we need to do. As we're trying to figure out how to do church from different distances and we have different needs and the whole thing, here's what, here's what I really pray for as your need. That you increase, and not just increase, but abound. Do you use that word anymore? Abound? May you abound. I think you should. Use it this week once, just for fun. See if anybody reacts, okay? Abound in love. Not just fixated, not just start with it, not just end with it, but you abound, like overflow for one another and for all. As we do for you, follow the example that we're doing for you so that, why would we do this? So that he may establish, who's he? What's he gonna do to you? He's gonna make your hearts blameless in holiness before God and Father. At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. Um, he's going to make you holy. He's going to establish holiness in you. What, what is holiness? Set apart. Set apart for God. Different. Right before God. You know how he's going to do that? Here it doesn't say through worship. Here it says for your relational interaction on a love, in a loving way towards all people. And follow the example of others that are doing it as well. 
your rightness before God, your get it factor for God's priorities, your understanding of how he thinks and how he works will come out of your learning how to relationally connect to other people. What's appropriate, what's not appropriate. And then, and then beyond appropriateness to beneficial or blessing. What's awesome. Anybody want average relationship? No? Nobody's? Okay, good. Anybody want awesome relationship? Raise your hand. Okay, you raise your hands down, you're liars. Okay? Uh, this, this is the point of, of what the oldest son has missed. And, and he misses it uh, probably because Jesus forces that character to miss it in order to teach a point. And he's teaching a point that we're missing the, uh, the relational peace in, in our following the Lord because he's trying to answer the question and the issue that's brought up at the beginning of the chapter. You see, in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, it says that the Pharisees and the scribes, the tax collectors, were drawing near to him, Jesus. They're watching him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Jesus busts into song, into story, into parable. What's the violation? The Pharisees, the scribes, the tax, they've, they've not figured out what is the commodity. It's not money. It's not being able to follow the rules or know all the rules or make the rules. It's about people. They start grumbling and Jesus says, let me tell you a story. Oh, you're worried about them because they're not good or they're wrong or they've done this or they're different. And he says, oh, no, 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 let me tell you a story about the value of people. And he references a sheep, a coin, and a son. He spends most of the time on the son because it's relational, Right? This is what we need to understand as a church. We got to get our theology right. Amen? Amen. Uh, we we got to do things with excellence and the whole deal and, and whatnot. But most importantly, we've got to care for people. Because it's our command. Uh, so let's look at a few. I know we got five fill-ins this week. If you start running out of ink, there's more pens in the back. I know for some of you, well, we only do three usually. Um, but if we're going to be relationally based, then relationally we need to prioritize one safe and sound. The oldest son calls to the servant, says, what's going on? And the servant gets it. When I do a, a more expanded teaching on, on, on the prodigal son story, one of the whole sermons that I like to spend all the time on for one whole sermon is just the servant the get it factor of the servant. If I asked you, who are the characters in the story of the prodigal son? Well, there's the father, there's the older son and the, the prodigal son. Everybody forgets the servant. Why? Because he doesn't have a name or he doesn't have a formal, a familial relationship or whatever. No, there's another character. The character of the servant gets it, totally gets it. And when asked, why the party? He says, oh, because dad values safe and son, safe and sound, of his son. It's a great statement uh, because it's more than just correct for us. It shows the value of learned behavior when one exemplifies it, 
others pick it up. How do we be the church? We be relationally based. Why? Well, because God said, two, it's good for us, three or four or maybe five or six, somewhere down there, because our kids will pick it up. Other people will pick it up. It becomes contagious. And one of the things, the first thing I think we need to understand of what's, what's the value of relationally based is the two end games in the story. One of them is the conclusion that the servant makes and gives to the older son. Hey, God cares about, the father cares about, we as the church, if we're going to be it, care about the safety and the soundness of other people. Rather than just do, are we getting our stuff done? Are we following the commands? Are we working in the field? Are we getting what we're supposed to get? No, that's not what it's about. It's about how do we provide for the safety and the soundness of those around us. And here's the problem. Never easy. Never easy. People's needs are real. They're complicated. They're painful. They're costly. And they're time consuming. And it takes effort over time. Sometimes you have to wait. Sometimes they don't come to their self, right? When he came to himself, he said, I could go to my father's Sometimes they never do that. And you're simply the dad waiting for them to show up again. But you treat them well when they're here. You treat them well when they're on their way out the door. And you treat them well when they're on their way back in the door. Because now they have a shot at safety and sound. Because you know what they experienced when they were outside the door? No, you don't. And they might not want to tell you. They might not want to talk about it. They definitely want to avoid experiencing it again. And whatever was out there was bad enough that they have returned. Love that the prodigal son returns. It gives us a picture into the nature of man. Right? When we talk about humanity... Right? Humans. We, we, we have a lot of conclusions we have made about humans, right? No one is perfect, right? For all have, right? We've got all these decisions that we've figured out about men and women, and they tend to be negative. I get that. Can we set those aside for two seconds, and let's look at the positive side. Given enough pain, frustration, discomfort, whatever, humans turn. They turn. As much as you want to say people are dumb or they don't get it or they'll never change or whatever, people change. And they're going to change for the good eventually. We have an opportunity to help them get back to, you know, everybody's looking for safe and sound. I would imagine some of you are in here because this morning you're looking for safe and sound. You're pretty safe and you're pretty sound, but you'd love just a little extra measure of it. And if you can continue to invest and you get into a safer, sounder place with God, absolutely, then I'm going to show up at church on a Sunday. But it's not just about our own safe and our own sound. It's also about how do we provide that for other people. It's the culmination of the third story of the parables that Jesus talks about with people. 
it's got to be a priority yes the second one that's at the that's an end their end game it's the same kind of idea is uh we, we relationally we prioritize lost or found the lost or found i'm kind of i'm 50 50 on this title of lost for people um they have yet to believe or used to believe but don't now or whatever they're thinking about it. I did this, you lost. Some people don't want to be called that. And some, some people walk in, I've been lost. I got to find my way back. They care less about the title. I'm okay with going with whatever title they want to give themselves as long as they're on the road back. You see, some people aren't safe. They're found, but they're not safe. They're found, but they're not sound. And so we got that first grouping. We got to help them get back to safe and sound. There's other people that are genuinely lost, like out there, wrong path, chasing it 100 miles an hour, the wrong direction. And how do we get them? Well, if they value partying, then we say, well, the biggest party ever will be in heaven. Are you going to be there? But there's other people that value different things. And how do you get their attention? And when they do come back, scarred, tattered, experienced, beaten, diseased, whatever. How will you see them? Will you see them as, ah, you made it home. Welcome home. Biggest party ever? Yeah. One way to look at it. Better way to look at it? Home. We're eventually all going to make it home. And we want to take as many people home as we can. That's really the, the, the two end games, right? Safe and sound, lost and found. That's why we're relationally based. Well, how do we do it? Therefore, we, one, care. It's number three, but it's number one and how we do it, it we care. Verse 20, and the father, while he was yet a long way off, saw him, which means he's looking for him. He ran to him. Why? Is he going to punch him? Is he really upset? No, no, no. We get a clue as to why he runs to him when he gets there. Embraces him. Kisses him. And in the middle of all that, they throw this other little uh, construction in there. Felt compassion felt compassion we have to care you've got to learn how to care first or nothing else happens safe and sound never becomes the end game for you lost and found never is a priority unless you learn how to care for it's the middle of the whole thing five fillings the very middle one is what care it's the middle it's the center it's the focus of the whole deal in fact when the father comes out and entreats him it's because he says it was fitting for us to be glad glad is, is a statement about emotion and care it was right for us to be glad uh, what do you care about you know all those phrases you know those, those tests Show me your calendar, I'll tell you what you care about. Show me your pocketbook. Uh, nobody says pocketbook anymore, right? Show me, show me your account. Show me your uh, B of A app. I'll tell you what you care about. Show me your friends. 
some of your time. God wants you to see what to care about. And he wants to affect your money and your time and your effort and how you take care of your body and all those things by changing what you care for. It's the very middle of, of what it means to be relationally based. Number four, we relationally we prioritize care and then we relationally we prioritize provide. Verse 22 and 23, what does he do? He says to the servant, cuts off the speech and says, go get the ring, go get the shoes, go get the robe and get the calf. Get the party. What does he provide? What does the father provide for the son? The list is at least five deep on specifics. But the ramifications of each of those five things that he provides goes even deeper. What does he provide for that son? Everything. Emotional stability, psychological stability, intellectual stability. Right? I mean, son comes in spouting irrational. I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. What? That, that never happens. Think of the things that the, the father avoided providing. Scolding, beating, banishment. I mean, there's all these negative things that he could have provided, right? Uh, so when we provide, we're assuming positive, right? Can we assume positive? Okay. See, we care. That's when we learn how to provide. And then uh, fifthly, the third thing that we uh, prioritize is compel. Oh, I see what you did, Scott. You tied it into the church mission statement, right? Compelling ourselves and others to Christ. What does, he, what does it say? He said he, was, uh, he refused, he was angry and refused to go in. But the father went out to see him and entreated him. I was going to put entreat, but we don't use that word anymore either. Once you care about somebody and once you start to provide for them, you know what you can now do? You can teach them. You can inspire them, lead them, push them, pull them, maybe drag them. But get to the point where you start making sense for someone who's lacking sense. Can you imagine what's got to go on with that son? He came home thinking he's not a son anymore dad's got to change that thinking oldest son that actually this concept comes from the interaction with the oldest son who won't come inside what's got to go inside of his head that dad's got to entreat out of him correct massage change twist oldest son you've been with me always you'll be with me always and all of my stuff is yours but you're missing the point Does God do those things for you? Does God take care of your safe and sound? Do you trust that your lostness will end up in being found? That your God cares about you, feels compassion for you, that your God wants to provide for you in many ways, maybe five specific, but beyond that in numerous ways, so that he might teach you something? Why would he do all those things for you? One, show your value. Probably that's actually two. 
One, show his value. Two, show you your value. And three, translate it, transition it, or like we used to say in geometry class, the transitive hypothesis, right? It transfers over to other people. That's why I love what it says in the, in the Thessalonians verse. And do these things to love or you know, abound, whatever, as we have done for you. We have to learn to be relational. And we, we say things like love, love your neighbor, un, unconditional love, and the whole thing. Great. How do you do it? We provide for the safety, the soundness, the foundness of people around us. And we do that by caring for them, providing for them, and entreating them. Well, you know, Scott, they're, they're, that's not always going to work. Duh. I mean, we live in reality. Maybe care has to happen for a long time. Why? Because they're not going to let you provide anything for them. They're not going to take any instruction from you either. But they want to see if you care. And it, maybe it takes them 10 years. What does that matter? We had all kinds of time. He will always be with us. And all of his stuff is ours. We got all the time and all the resources. So we be about our business, we do our job of relating to all. All. No matter where they've been, what they've done, or whether they go to Rock Bible Church. Amen? Amen. And then we sit in the first two rows sometimes. <laughs> Lord, thank you. Thank you that all the things that we learned today are things that you've done first for us. We thank you, Lord, that you're a relational God. Lord, that uh, even in the very nature of your being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is interrelationship. And Lord, the example that your son set of relating to you in such a way that he would be obedient even unto the cross. That your Holy Spirit would continue to work in us and through us. Lord, we thank you for the relationship we have with you. And pray, Lord, you would use it to help us to be relational with others. In positive ways that are a blessing. That care, provide, and entreat others. Help us to do it with our kids, Lord. Help us to do it with strangers. Help us to do it with that little word, all. If you're here this morning and you've never come home, you never come to yourself and realize you needed to turn. Maybe you're done being prodigal son. Maybe it's time for you to come back. And you could say a prayer this morning. It's telling God, I want to be home again. I want to be in relationship with you again. I don't want to be lost anymore. You pray that. <coughs> Father, thank you for the time that we have. The ministries that are here that are yours. And what we call church. Help us to be it. And we thank you for the offering that we're about to receive. 
pray that those that are guests or visitors would see it as something we do out of our relationship with you and as no obligation for them. We pray all this, Lord, in your son Jesus' name.